From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome back to another episode. We're happy to be with you. We're recording today in a snowy day cold in Pennsylvania. In my office where we're recording, the heat has not been on all that long. No. So if you yeah. hear a, a little hum in the background, that's our heater. <laughs> but we're okay. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll make it through. Snowy. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Gorgeous. So you pretty. know, I somebody said recently, one of was it one of our kids who said, um, with all this online schooling going on with COVID, there's not going to be anything such thing as snow days anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big change. I, I don't know what the status of it is, but it's yeah, kind well, of... Yeah, we, we homeschool, so it's not like we know that anyway, but... <laughs> that has been our reality. Snow days, when I was a kid, snow days were yeah, just extraordinarily exciting. Yeah. I think for teachers, too. <laughs> Probably mind. true. Yeah. I remember very clearly uh, listening. I can see the radio. My brother and I would gather around the radio, and we would wait and wait to hear the name of our school. Don't we sound so old-fashioned? Oh, my gosh. You mean you didn't check your school's website to see if they website. were Website? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no, I can, I, can, I can remember the absolute elation when our school was announced that it was closed. Closed. Yeah. That's the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the best, what's going on with the Theology of the Body Institute? We have a TOB2 online for the very first time coming yes. up in March. Oh, my goodness. We recorded it last summer, and we're excited for that to launch. There's also, oh, that means, of course, you have to have, have to have, have to have taken, get my English correct, TOB1 to take TOB2. Uh, and if you haven't taken TOB1, we're going to be offering that, I think, in April online? Anyway, you can check the link. And we're also offering the Mary course, which was recorded last October in the month of May, dedicated to Mary. Very fitting. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to our patrons as well. We have some really exciting things going on in the patron community. And we can't do this work without the support of so many wonderful patrons around the country and around the world. Uh, so grateful to you guys. Thank, Thank you, you for being patrons. If you're not a patron already, check out our link about becoming a patron and all the exclusive goodies that are offered for our patrons, including we're going to start doing these uh, retreats for our patrons. Mm -hmm. And I just found out that the first one we're going to be offering is with Father Tim Gallagher. Father Tim Gallagher is on our faculty. He teaches our Theology of the Body in the Interior Life course. Yes. He and I, he and I actually usually co-teach that one. And he, he provides the uh, such great insight to Ignatian principles of discernment. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing a retreat for our patrons, Father Gallagher and I. And you can learn more about becoming a patron and learn more about that retreat by uh, clicking the link on the patron community. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I have a question for you. Uh, Jessica says, I believe God is calling me to marry a man whom I dated this summer and fall. 
he has discerned that it's not the right time for him to have a relationship. And now we only see each other in groups. He's a devout Catholic and says he wants to focus on his work as a religious education director right now. God keeps giving me little hints that maybe I should not give up hope for this relationship mm -hmm. to happen in the mm -hmm. future. Mm -hmm. You have previously shared that Wendy hoped to marry Christopher for three years, even while he was interested in someone else. What would you advise me to do? How do I pray for his best interest? Oh. I don't want to give up hope, but I also want to stay open to any other possibilities God has for me. Jessica, your heart is beautiful. Bless you. Bless your desire for this man. Mm. Bless your desire for marriage. I know, Wendy, you probably have some things you can share from your own experience there. My, my advice to Jessica would be trust hope, wait patiently, don't um, try to coerce or manipulate the situation in any way. Um, and that's not easy. Our ache gets stretched. Mm. And I think this is really part of our fallen nature that we, we want to be in control of everything. And and letting go of control can be really a struggle. It's a struggle for me. I, I just speak personally. So if if you're feeling any of those inclinations and temptations, Jessica, to, to lose hope or to um, kind of manipulate the situation, to gain control over it, I, I hear an invitation for your heart, Jessica, whether you're to marry this man or not. We, we don't know. I don't know. Um, sometimes, you know, we, we hear those uh, inclinations or we get a certain sense in our trying to discern God's will that he's saying this when we can be mistaken or when none of that is, is infallible, right? I, I can think of all kinds of situations in my life where I discern such and such and I even had a pretty clear conviction that this was what God wanted and then circumstances turned out otherwise that I was mistaken. And those can be disheartening situations, but also there's a call to trust and a call to accept our fallibility and a call to humility in accepting our fallibility. So none of this is to say, when I say hold out hope or maintain hope, uh, Jessica, that I, I think, uh, you know, I have any crystal ball here to say, I know you're meant to marry this guy. There's no way to know that. But this I do know. You are called to surrender in trust to the God who loves you and has a better plan for your life than you have for yourself. That's something I have to remind myself quite often, that God's plan for my life is better than my plan for my life. And it's all about learning to trust that. What do you think, Wendy? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I, I think a, a helpful thing is to ask the Lord what he wants you to focus on. I, I sensed that sort of a clarity in the man God is calling him to focus on his work um, in ministry right now and to have a sense of God's beautiful purpose in your life. And that doesn't have to be one thing, but it, it could be several things that where you sense you're able to give, make the gift of yourself um, in different ways in your life. Because, of course, longing for marriage is longing to give and receive in the most 
deep way in a human relationship. And yet there are so many beautiful ways that we make the gift of ourselves through other relationships that we're in by our circumstances and by work and volunteering and by study. All of these things are ways that the Lord may be calling you to make a gift now. Um, And I think that was a great help to me in that time of waiting in our relationship was Mm -hmm. the sense of truly seeking the Lord in my circumstances and how am I called to be a gift here and how can I, it's not always like, oh, just say a prayer one day and it's clear and then go do it. Usually we have, you know, um, it takes time and seeking the Lord and waiting on him to make things more clear. But, um, I think when you're seeking the Lord's will for your life in that big way and in the day-to-day way, it um, also makes it clear to you how important it is to pray that he also be in the Lord's will for his life and to really desire that above all else for him. We, You don't want to desire that he would marry you if it weren't the Lord's will right. for him. So that that is so clarifying and so freeing to say it's in the hands of our good and loving God and to really keep putting it there, keep just like taking that desire and keep just envisioning it being placed in the Lord's hands and the goodness of those hands that we are trusting in. You inspired me, Wendy, to add a a few more thoughts. Jessica's uncertainty in, you know, what's going on and how do I, how do I accept this? The, The pain of that can become a prayer for him that he would have greater clarity for the Lord's will in his life. Mm -hmm. And if indeed this is Jessica hearing correctly that it's the Lord's will for her to marry him, well, guess what? It's also the Lord's will for him to marry her. That's the way it works. So for her to be praying for his clarity in her lack of clarity or or lack of certainty as to what's going on, uh, the pain of that uncertainty can be a prayer offered up for another person to have clarity and and discernment for the Lord's will. That's one thought. Uh, another thought was a, a quote from John Paul II came to mind when you were talking, Wendy, about Jessica learning how to, to be a gift mm-hmm. uh, for others. He says in Familiaris Consortio, he says that the fundamental and innate vocation of every human being is to love and that call to love, this is a quote from the Second Vatican Council that John Paul II repeated over and over and over again throughout his teaching, the human being can only find himself through the sincere gift of himself or herself, obviously. And we are all, whether we're married uh, or, or, or single or consecrated celibate or we, we don't know what maybe the Lord's calling us to in an ultimate kind of vocation. The fundamental and innate vocation of every human being, regardless of your state in life, is to learn what it means to become a sincere gift of self. That's how we find ourselves. No one under any circumstance, and that's without exception, no one under any circumstance is prevented from learning how to love. Mm. No one under any circumstance is prevented from learning what it means to become a sincere gift and therefore find him or herself in that gift. And that means fulfillment, which comes through love, 
is possible for all of us, regardless of our circumstances, our state, uh, our, our stage in life. And that's, that's a hopeful word. It is. We pray, Jessica, that this is a fruitful time in your life, growing closer to the Lord, closer in trust in Him, closer in understanding yourself and knowing that you don't have to be perfect in order to be loved by the Lord and uh, just really shining your light, your unique light in this world. Our next question is from an anonymous listener who says, I have a question about exterior beauty. God is beauty itself, and he delights in it. And I know beauty goes way beyond just outward appearance. But there is something to be said for a beautiful-looking man or woman, and it's pretty obvious that some people are simply better looking than others. People are drawn to good-looking people in a certain way. So my question is, does God delight in a person's beautiful outward appearance? And if so, what if you don't have good looks? Did God just not want you to have outward beauty? Wow. I could probably write a doctoral dissertation on <laughs> <laughs> the layers and layers uh, of, ooh, what, what am I trying to say? The answer is not simple. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. It would take a lot of ink. Uh -huh. And a long, 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 long podcast <laughs> to get into all the layers that would be required to give a thorough answer to that mm. question. Okay. But I have some initial thoughts. Scripture that comes to mind is from the Old Testament when uh, David is chosen king to the surprise of everyone. I'm just going to interrupt you and say, as I read this question, that was exactly what oh. came to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. The man looks at the outer appearance, the Lord sees the heart. Right. That's, I think, a starting point for an answer to this question. What does it mean that the Lord sees the heart? And what does it mean that, that we tend to stop at the outer appearance? Mm -hmm. It's part of original sin that we look, but we do not see. Mm -hmm. And I think... This emphasis in our culture, which we cannot extract ourselves from, we have all been deeply impacted by the way the culture has taught us to perceive beauty. And the way the culture has taught us to perceive beauty is most definitely by looking, but not seeing. And what's, what's the distinction there between looking and seeing? I think we could say that looking is, is the external, seeing involves the internal. But seeing does not skip the external. It's not like, well, let's just get by the external so I can get to the internal. No, to see is to see the internal via the external. Mm -hmm. That's the whole principle of theology of the body, that the body reveals, makes visible what is invisible. The, the body of, of a person is really and truly meant to make visible the invisible mystery of the person, and the invisible mystery of the person is always more beautiful than the exterior reality of the person. Our vision needs to be linked up, and this is where we all need to cry out. We, we, we look, but we do not see, and we need to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to see as you see. I want to see as you see. That is a lifelong journey of conversion. That is a lifelong journey of purification. Uh, 
Uh, but this anonymous questionnaire, I think, brings out some important points. He or she is wrestling with how do you hold this all together? And in my experience, I see extremes in in the culture and in the and in Christian circles. You know, the culture, of course, the extreme is just all the focus on the physical, the external. But I see sometimes the opposite extreme among Christians where there's a an overemphasis on the spiritual and a discounting of the physical. This questioner is right to say, how do you hold this together? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and is right to wonder, well, what does God think of exterior beauty? Does, why does he grant the gift of, of exterior beauty to some and, and not so much to others? I don't know the answers to these questions, honestly. I, I don't know. Um, but I do know the way we perceive of beauty is deeply impacted by a deeply fallen culture, and that's not the way the Lord perceives beauty. And there is, there is beauty, as we come to see as the Lord sees, the more we come to see as the Lord sees, we come to see things as beautiful that we didn't see as beautiful before. I, I often tell the story, you know it well, Wendy, I tell the story to my students when I teach my TOB1 class of an experience I had years ago of ending up sitting in a middle seat on an airplane and there was a quote very attractive woman to my right and a quote unattractive woman to my left Mm -hmm. and I found myself very interested in having conversation with the attractive woman when I found out I was going to be sitting next to her and then when I saw this very short, overweight woman with a butch haircut getting on the airplane, I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is just my broken humanity. Like, oh, I hope she doesn't sit here. And she sat there right, right next to me. And I remember thinking, Lord, what, what are you trying to teach me here? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting yeah. behind, be, between these two very different types of, of women and, and feeling interested in having conversation with one and not interested in having conversation with the other. Man, did I ever learn a lesson that day. I never said a word to the woman to my right, who was the, quote, more attractive one. And the, the woman who sat to my left, the short, overweight woman with a butch haircut, she needed help with her luggage, and I, I ended up helping with her luggage, and we ended up having a conversation and chit-chatting away and had a really nice conversation. And then both these women fell asleep, and it's a three-hour flight. I'm just like, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? And he was really speaking into my heart saying, did you notice how interested you were in talking to this one woman? You weren't interested in talking to this other woman. And he says, I want to show you the beauty of both of these women. Mm-hmm. I want to show you the real beauty of both of these women. And then I heard, well, and it's going to hurt. And I was like, well, how much? A lot. <laughs> and then I, I had this experience of like a sword going into my heart and all the sludge was pouring out of my heart. Uh, it was, and the sludge was like a, the image I had of the sludge coming out of my heart was like, uh, it was the image of my own impurities, you know, the kind of over fascination with this one woman and the discarding of this other woman all comes from my broken humanity. And then as the sword went deeper and deeper into my heart, the sludge coming out was getting clearer and clearer and it became like a stream of water. Then it became like a fountain of water gushing out of my heart over these women and I looked over at this so-called unattractive woman who was asleep to my left. I don't know how else to say it. I saw her. Mm. I saw her. I saw her. 
I didn't see her before I, I saw her. And then I saw her and I realized I hadn't seen her. And when I realized I hadn't seen her, I was filled with remorse for my blindness and then filled with awe and a beauty that, that the Lord was giving me. It's as if he was giving me his own heart. He was, he was giving me a lived experience of that scripture we were just talking about. Man looks at, at the surface, at the outward appearance, but I see the heart. He was giving me a vision of her heart, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I saw that woman, and I'll never forget that experience. And, and I, would, I would say to all our listeners that that seeing as the Lord sees is really the answer to this question, to pray that we would see as the Lord sees. Um, he sees everything he has made, everyone he has made, and says, behold, it is very good. And the, the beautiful and the good in a Catholic view of the world are interchangeable. Mm. If it is good, it is beautiful. That's, that's how it works. Uh, we have to we have to ask the Lord to see as He sees, and we have to be ready to be pierced and purified to see as He sees. What are your thoughts? Wendy? That is such such a powerful story, and so honest of you to just share that, especially that kind of spoke to what this questioner said about people are drawn to good-looking people in a certain way. Like you experienced that, yeah. you know, that being drawn to someone. And yet, you know, what is, what is God up to here? And as you said, I don't always know. Yeah. You know. I don't know for sure. But to take it to the level of your own heart and your own purification, why we can be called to this every time we look in the mirror at ourselves or every time we look at the people in our lives to ask the Lord to give us his eyes to see things. Um the question about does God delight in a person's beautiful outward appearance, I, my instinct is to say to the extent that a person receives that as a gift and allows it to be a source of goodness yeah. in the lives of others, yeah. it also delights the Lord. To the extent we receive anything the Lord gives us as a gift to be shared and to draw others to Him is a delight to the Lord, no matter what our appearance. And I don't think we should discount, again, we don't want to over-spiritualize all this. We, we don't want to discount the physical attractiveness that is, is real. And as, as you were just commenting on, we're drawn to it in a particular mm -hmm. way. And this questioner was commenting on it. You know, even infants, studies will say, are, are attracted to a pretty face, a, a symmetrical face. Mm -hmm. um, and... There's something to that, you know. The 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 scripture itself speaks of Christ giving up His body for His bride, that she would be all beautiful without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. There's something to that. It's a metaphor, obviously, but it's it's John Paul II in his theology of the body commenting on that metaphor says it's particularly fitting that St. Paul uses a youthful, beautiful body as a metaphor for holiness. Mm. There's something to it. We can't just discount that. Uh, and we all age. We all get wrinkles. We all eventually... 
Have spots and blemishes. <laughs> have spots and blemishes <laughs> and gray hair, and we all return to dust. Mm -hmm. So our hope in beauty, there's a good desire for a beautiful body, but what we really desire is the glorified body. Mm -hmm. And no exercise regimen or uh, oil of Olay or dyeing your hair or getting plastic surgery is going to satisfy the desire that we have for glorified bodies only only the resurrection can give us mm. that. Mm. So I think oftentimes, always, not oftentimes, there is always some good, even in our distorted pictures of beauty, our messed up ideas of beauty, there's some good we're seeking. I'll say one more thing about this. The good we're seeking always comes from God. The ultimate good we're seeking always comes from God. And we get ourselves in trouble when we don't believe God wants to grant us the desire of our heart and we go seeking it ourselves on our own terms. That's when we get in trouble. I'll share this one last thing from JP2. In a retreat he gave in 1962, long before he was Pope, to artists, he tells the story of when he was a young priest and he was at the Diocletian Baths in Rome. And this is where there's lots of, of naked art of the, the Greek sculptors and these, these idealized bodies. Mm -hmm. And he says, I made great effort. It took great effort to study this art. And you can almost hear in him saying that there was this internal struggle. Mm -hmm. And he said, I wanted, I wanted to understand what they were trying to portray. What were they looking for in portraying these idealized, perfectly, uh, quote, beautiful bodies? And he said, I came to realize as I studied this, and it took, he says this again, it took such great effort. He says, I came to realize they were looking for perfect beauty in the body and that that perfect beauty has been revealed in the body. It's called the incarnation. And he said, through that laborious study of that Greek art, I came to understand the gospel more and I came to understand it better. The human being is looking for perfect beauty in the body. And perfect beauty, capital B, perfect beauty, has been revealed in the body. It's called Christianity. It's mm. called the incarnation. It's called Christmas. Fascinating. I lo love that uh, willingness of, of a young Polish priest who would later become Pope young Polish saint to, to make that effort to understand what the human heart is really looking for. Mm -hmm. I hope that's helpful. Next question is from an anonymous wife who says, um, about a year and a half into our marriage, we went to see a wonderful Catholic doctor to find answers for our experience of infertility. All the tests and follow-ups told us that my husband is not making sperm mm. and there's absolutely nothing that can be done. Mm. This news is hitting us both very hard. I've read that the grief of infertility is as if one had been handed a terminal diagnosis. It has felt like a death in so many ways. Before we can move into whatever God has for us next, I want to understand our bodies deeper. I feel like God is taking us into the emptiness, mm. empty testicles and empty womb. Mm. Wow. Can you help us understand who we are in this? Wow. Could you speak some life into this darkness? Wow. 
what a heartfelt plea of this anonymous wife's heart. Wow. Yes. Wow. First, I just want to reverence that plea of your heart. I hear your heart. I hear your plea. And I'm struck especially by her wording. She feels like she's journeying into emptiness or journeying into a, a kind of death, empty womb, empty testicles. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, let's just say it plainly. The womb and the testicles are made for life. Mm. They are our life-giving power. We are granted in the normal course of events, we're granted this participation in God's life-givingness. And to, to discover that for whatever reason, we are physically unable to, as a married couple, to participate in that life-givingness is, there's a grief, there's a death, there's, an, there's a void, and she's, she's entering into that. I'm reminded of something that one of our students shared in our online virtual conference last May. And this talk is still available if you uh, want to get access to that virtual conference. But I'll summarize her talk. Um, she's, she spoke about uh, her own experience of, of infertility. Uh, she and her husband, Vinny, have been trying for, for many years to conceive and have been unable and she spoke about the month after month she would get her period and realize again, yet again, she's not pregnant, and she would weep. And she began to realize, listening to her body, reading the language of her body, that there was blood and water flowing every month. The blood from her womb when she'd get her period and the water from her tears when she would weep. And she realized she and her husband were entering into the mystery of the cross. And that the cross, and this is not a platitude, this is not just a nice thing to say to make people feel better. This is bedrock Christian reality. If Christ is who he said he was, if the cross is what it, Christ claims it is. And what does he claim it is? This is the font of the divine life poured out for us. The cross points us to a whole new kind of fecundity, a whole new kind of fertility that comes precisely from entering into the abyss of Christ's death. And I think this is what, I think I can even say, I'm pretty sure, uh, if not certain, I can certainly say this, that we're all invited to this, and that this woman and her husband are invited to this, and this particular cross they're carrying leads right to this. We call it a cross for a reason. You are being invited in a very particular way your own unique story, your own unique suffering, you are being invited to, into the super abundant fertility of the marriage bed of the cross.
This is where Christ becomes the perfect revelation of the eternal Father's love, and this is where Mary at the foot of the cross becomes the mother of all the living mm. in the new superabundant fertility of the kingdom. Here we see grace building on nature, but the natural reality of birth is one thing. The supernatural reality of regeneration through the nuptials of the cross. This is the way the saints talk. This is the way the church unfolds it. What happened at the cross is a nuptial mystery. St. Augustine said the cross was Christ's marriage bed. And it's from these nuptials at the cross that every Christian is given new life. And this dear married couple is being invited into that suffering to participate in that fertility. And it makes sense out of scriptures like this. More are the children of the barren woman than of she who bore children. Mm. That's that supernatural fecundity. Uh, this married couple, if they, to the degree that they unite their suffering with Christ and enter into it, and it sounds from everything she's describing that they're already entering into it, whether yes. they know it or not, they are bearing super abundant fertility for the kingdom, and they will meet children of the kingdom, in the kingdom, who are there because of their suffering, mm. and their grief will turn to joy. That is the word of life that can be spoken into this pain. The grief will turn into joy when they see the spiritual children. They are birthing through their uniting their suffering with Christ's suffering. It's such a, a an inspiring response, and understandably many people are not um, able to even respond as in this way, which is full of wisdom, full of uh, an awareness of the leading of the Holy Spirit here. Um, you know, it, it speaks of already having journeyed with the Lord in your life. And um, so we are grateful just to know of this, of your story and the beautiful witness you are to everyone listening of um, just the courage of going into this very difficult season in your marriage with the Lord, holding his hand and letting him lead you in places you did not want to go. Um, and yet knowing he's with you and that uh, the fruit that is going to be born by actually going there, going to that emptiness um, is is so beautiful because as you journey there and the Lord brings healing and assurance of his love and the goodness of his plan, which doesn't come from us saying it, it comes from you experiencing it as you continue with him, um, is so, so fruitful because if you don't do that, then that, that whole area of pain becomes just this sensitive wound that kind of holds you back in your journey with him and in other relationships. And I just can sense and see that through this really difficult time, there's going to be great fruit born of it. I don't keep using that word fruit being born. And it, it's the it's, right word. It is what the Lord has in store. And it's not easy. And it is lonely. It's very lonely. Even people who have experienced 
um, something similar may not have journeyed through it in the way that you're sensing the Lord is calling you to. So thank you for sharing it with us. And we are holding you in our hearts um, that really, even if it is not over quickly, if there's a, a real season of this pain, that that you will always trust the Lord's just incredible love and closeness to you in this and that he does bring all good out of all things because you have experienced he's called you by name he knows you he loves you i just realized that i didn't mention the name of the woman who gave that talk at our virtual conference her name is lila she's from brazil and um i believe yeah the only way you can access that talk right now is through our, our premium pass to that conference but I'm going to hold this out to this person who, who asked this question. Uh, please, if I don't, uh, this is not so that you go purchase the premium pass so you can listen to this talk. I, I want to assure you, I will happily send you a free copy uh, or access, free access to that talk if you can uh, just reach out to us at our, our customer service email, uh, info at tobinstitute.org, and just, just say you were the person who. Um, submitted the question about your and your husband's infertility and I'll find a way to get that talk to you for free so that you can listen to it. Thank you everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, we, we really enjoy doing this. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you've been blessed today by what you've heard Wendy and me sharing with you, uh, hit that share button, share our podcast with other people who will be blessed by it as well. We hope uh, we're happy to be in this with you and Until next time, know it deep in your heart, deep in your bones, deep in every fiber of your being. You are an unrepeatable gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you but remind you that they're not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.